You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. And I will say this. Um... I hope your expectations for this podcast are low because I really don't know how to describe the first 40 minutes of this podcast. Usually we only BS for about, uh, I don't know, (laughs) 10 minutes, but today we have kind of a flip mode where we, we BS for 40 minutes and then talked about deer hunting for 20 minutes at the end. It is, I'll be honest. It is a fun episode. I had fun doing it because you do, you know, you get in a routine, you get in the box, you talk about deer hunting every episode. And it's, I'm, I'm glad there's people like Tony Peterson who are willing to jeopardize their entire career (laughs) to come on the, the podcast here and just, just let let our guard down and vent and talk about family and people who believe in crystals and uh, moon phase and and things like that. And then we do actually talk about hunting, uh, October hunting, uh, the last part of the podcast. But this is a fun podcast. Please take everything we say with a grain of salt or don't. Uh, I, I, I feel like this episode may make some people mad, but on the other hand, this episode may make some people extremely happy. And I hope that we make more people happy than sad. It's never my intent to go in and just low blow people and get them all pissed off. But here, 
I, I also don't believe in censorship or editing. So this is, is what it is. This is what our conversation uh, turned out uh, like. And, and so I hope you guys hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get into today's episode, I do have to do a commercial. And it's funny me me warning people about the upcoming content and then going into uh, a partnership uh, with people who have paid money to be on this podcast. And so I, I owe them uh, a, a huge shout out for taking a risk on a guy like me. And uh, so first, right out of the gate, we're going to talk about uh, Vortex Optics, title sponsor of the podcast. These guys uh, are putting out absolutely awesome optics and if you've never at, if you've never messed around with uh, vortex go to any store i mean they're in all they're they're in retail stores all over the place go check them out compare them side by side by uh, other you know other uh, uh, optics and and i tell you what they're going to stand out and they stand out for a handful of reasons the brand stands out for a handful of reasons the quality product yes of course but at the same time, the people behind the podcast or the people behind the product, uh, what make Vortex Vortex. And so that is a huge win. Plus, they have the VIP warranty and that allows you to beat the shit out of your equipment, use it how it's designed to be used. And if it breaks or fails, you send it in, they fix it for free and then they send it back to you. So that's a win. Vortexoptics.com, binoculars, spotting scopes, range finders, red dots, rifle scopes, you name it, they have it. And uh, they got an awesome team of people behind them. Speaking of an awesome team of people behind them, uh, Tethered. Tethered, the what? okay, they're a saddle company, right? We know this. But what's awesome about Tethered is the fact that they have a cult-like following. But this cult-like following, all they want to do is, is turn more people into... Uh, into saddle hunters and they do that by sharing videos sharing tips uh tricks tactics on how to properly use their equipment and become more efficient using that equipment so not only does tethered offer saddles climbing sticks uh saddle hunting accessories platforms they have information and informative uh, videos and content to back up their products and teach you guys how to use it. So go check out Tethered. Uh, they have a YouTube channel as well. Wasp Archery, again, the the heavy metal Seek and Destroy is playing by Metallica in the background every time I talk about Wasp. Their heads destroy whatever they hit. Huge fan of their fixed blades. I am an even bigger fan of their mechanical jackhammers like i just so badly want to send a jackhammer through a deer this year and uh uh so go check out wasparchery.com majority of their heads are made in america from the best material possible and their their feral is strong as shit and so that when you have their design uh, where it's made and the material all combined into a piece of equipment that just destroys whatever it hits. And, and that's what you want from a, a broadhead is, is durable, can take a beating and does its job by, by causing as much damage to flesh as possible. So wasparchery.com discount code. I got a discount code for them. And that is NFC two zero that gets you 20% off. And then lastly, we have hunt stand dude. If you're not on a mobile app, I kind of, I don't know what I would do if, uh, they, they would take a, a product like HuntStand away from me. 
or that, that didn't exist, then you have to go back to, to paper maps or you have to go to like Google Earth or Google Maps and some, or something like that. It's not in your pocket. It's not, um, it doesn't allow you to journal, right? All the things that Hunt Stand allows you to do. Right. Uh, basically, what HuntStand is, is a, a digital map that allows you to journal on that map, show you scrape lines, show you rub lines, show you bedding areas and, and all these things that you get from spending time in the woods. Then you can reference that any before you go in the woods and you can say, OK, well, I saw a deer here, saw a deer here. I didn't see any deer here. So let me uh, go sit here. Or let me set up a tree stand here. And you just document it. And all that documentation, in my opinion, leads to the ability to put yourself in a better position to shoot whatever your goal is, whether that's a big buck or just fill the freezer. And so huge, like, huge shout out to, to HuntStand for, for providing that. HuntStand.com. Go check it out. Uh, you can download it for free uh, wherever you download your apps. And then mess around with it for a little bit and if it's something you want to do then you buy it for only 30 bucks a year right for their for their service and that's like a hundred dollars less than the competition but at the same time it is they have way more functionality right and uh, what what i really think and this is the last thing i'll say about this their satellite imagery is much better compared to some of the competition so when you can scroll down into the details of a map and see deer trails, that's a game changer, man. So um, take advantage of that. Anyway, huntstand.com. And that's it, right? Okay, so hopefully you guys have been drinking. This sounds bad. Hopefully you guys have been drinking uh, before you listen to this because that's going to make this podcast much better. Hopefully you guys take this episode with a grain of salt. It doesn't go anywhere for a while, right? It's just two dudes talking. And so hopefully you guys enjoy it. I think most of you will. Uh, if you don't, I'm sorry. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. Tell everybody how awesome Tony Peterson is. And uh, he keeps coming back. I promise you, I don't have any dirt on him. Like I'm not blackmailing him into coming onto this podcast. He's volunteering. Uh, so uh, huge shout out to Tony for taking time out of his day to just BS with us for a while. Um, it's, you know, it gets, it's light. And I think we need that right now with all of this, this how to hunt deer in October type content where it's like, you need to do this or you need to do that. Shit, you don't need to do shit except get out in the woods and have fun. Right. And if you want to kill a big buck, do the things that it takes to go kill a big buck. And that's not like there's not one way to do that. You have to figure that out. And so there's no blanket statements or things like that. And and, uh, and, uh, I get a kick out of that. So anyway, awesome podcast. Enjoy. I guess we will uh, see on the back end. Three, two, one. All right, this is a take two with Tony Peterson. My dumbass, uh, something happened, and we recorded a whole episode. I thought it turned out good. I went to go edit it and put the SD card into my little uh, SD card holder here, and it did not show up. So we're going to try this again. Uh, so th- thanks for the conversation yesterday as a warm-up for this episode. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it happens, buddy. I mean, I, I told my wife about it, and she's like, are you super annoyed? I was like, I literally just did this to Andy May like a month ago. <laughs> like, I don't have any grounds to be pissed, and I have 
you know, when you're dealing with SD cards, every once in a while, they go corrupt on you. Yeah. And it's never, there's never a good situation where you're like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. You're always like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. this is not good. Yeah. And I did it two podcasts in a row. So, you know, oh. right before we started recording yesterday, I went right into another podcast. And oh. so I had two, two and a half hours of content that were just, they, they're just talking about you know talking about stuff it just it, it's not content anymore so here we are again we're gonna go take two uh and i'm gonna give you some highlights um from our original conversation first you have yet to see um top gun maverick i have seen top gun maverick and i thought it was okay so there there's just the bs session we're we'll get that out of the way i do, <laughs> i do want to ask you this question though what was your very first vehicle when you turned 16? A uh, little Chevy S10. S10, okay. And yep. did you treat it with respect? No. <laughs> no. No, it had the it had the 4.3 liter V6 in there, you know, and it, you know, those little Chevy S10s, they have about 8 pounds of weight in the back over the wheels. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I went through a pair of, I went through back tires like, you know, in a month and a half. My yeah. dad was like are you, are you kidding me, dude? Like, yeah. <laughs> come on, man. Uh, so no, I did not, but, yeah. uh, I was a young idiot and I'm slightly better now. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought that burning out rubber, you know, burning rubber or peeling out and stuff like that. I thought that maybe the girls would dig that and they don't necessarily dig stuff like that. No. So I, I don't think there are that many women out there who are that turned on by really stupid ass behavior <laughs> like that. <laughs> what's up babe you want to see me do a burnout sweet yeah. and, and the ones that are they're not marriage material i don't think yeah exactly uh here, here's a funny story in my town the, everybody is putting signs on the road now that says drive like your kids live here all right we have mm -hmm. these these signs and then there's one house of bachelors that uh, well I th i'm assuming they're bachelors they're always in their in their garage like taking a motorcycle apart or like under the hood doing something and they have a sign that they had custom made that says we don't have kids do a burnout and people are roasting their tires in front of their house all the time there's there's peel out marks to where it, it, the the road is black in front of their house so oh uh, there's enough people that don't have kids uh, and uh, don't respect children playing in the roads where they're going to do break stands right out in front of their house. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why, but I secretly kind of love that. I know. That they, I do too. That... I, I'm just glad I don't live on the same street as them. I live yeah. on a dead end and I don't need to worry about it. Um, my first ever vehicle was a four-cylinder and that's, you know, when, when you say four cylinder, doesn't it, didn't it just make me sound pathetic in a week? Yeah. You don't sound like a real man. Exactly. Say hey, Hey babe, want to get in my four cylinder front wheel drive <laughs> Buick century? <laughs> that's like, like a little bit bigger than my push lawnmower. Exactly. And I bet you, uh, I bet you it put out the same amount of power too. Yep. And so Jesus, my dad gave me that. He, my dad brought, bought a brand new Chevy Blazer. And he handed me down this 1986 Buick Century. And that would have been in 1996. 
is when I turned 16. So I can remember getting it. I can remember the very first night I ever got it. And dude, all I did was put it in reverse, slam it into forward and just like, chirp, 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 chirp. <laughs> like I can't believe the transmission lasted as long as it did to be honest with you. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. You, you know what occurred to me the other day? What? Uh, since we're not talking at all about deer hunting. Yep. Uh, you, you know, like, so we're the exact same age, right? I turned 16 and 96 too. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember growing up and just like, you, you know, like it was so common to see old vehicles on the road. Yes. You know I mean? I'm, I'm not talking like 1950s, like, you know, resto mods or any of that shit. Like I'm talking like, you know, 20 year old cars yep. that were, you know, all rusted out and stuff. Like you don't see that anymore. Like, is that... Is it the quality of cars or is it the fact that like people just like we're, we're just so much more comfortable with debt that everybody just has newer vehicles? See, I, I would agree with that statement, except I have a 2005 Nissan Titan sitting in my driveway that I I take to Nebraska. I'm going to take to South Dakota on my hunts. So and and it was hilarious. I laughed out loud at my own uh, my I don't know what you would call it, but I backed out of my driveway the other day. And the, the wheel well on my, um, it would be my passenger side kind of gently scraped against the trash can that I had set out on this, on the street. And it just looked like, I don't know, like paint chips just falling off. It's all this rust just in the wind, just fluttered away. And I laughed out loud at that. And I don't know, I, I am the kind of guy who makes fun of the people who try to keep up with the Joneses and, and, and have the, the image, like for some reason, I, and this is going to probably sound pretty um, unfair to certain people, but I just, in, I, I, I look at the guy who has the brand new Toyota tight or the Toyota Tundra just loaded, you know, the, the most expensive one with the most expensive Sitka camo. And they're just decked out with everything expensive. It's like, Oh man, well I should buy the most expensive thing. Not even like the former fitter field, just, just buy the expense, most expensive thing. And then them shooting a little deer and me laughing at them for that because <laughs> nothing of what they purchased helped them. And meanwhile, I have to like jimmy my tailgate open just to get it open so I can slide a deer in the back next to my spare tire that I can't put back underneath of my truck because that part of my truck is also broken. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. yeah. So, uh, so do you drive a brand new Toyota Tundra? Uh, yeah. I just bought it yesterday. Are you serious? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I bought. I drive a 2019 Ford F-150, and the only reason I bought that was because my truck before that, which was, uh, I think, a, I think a 2011 or 2012 Chevy Silverado, yeah, was just a piece of shit. Yeah. And I just, I got a lemon, man. It left me stranded the first three years. And it was getting to the point where I was just like, I'm so sick. Because, you know, if I buy a new vehicle, I want to drive it for a while. A long time. I want to I pay it off quickly, and I want to just have no payments for years and years. And that one, it was just soaking me dry. Yeah. And so I ended up buying, switching over to Ford just randomly because uh, I went I, – I was so pissed off. It was in the winter of, uh, I think, January 2020. There was a blizzard. 
and I just went to look at vehicles and I happened to go to the dealership when literally no one else was buying a car. So they were like, holy shit, we got a guy in here. And it was right before the pandemic. And so it was a sweet deal. And I just got super lucky. Yeah. And this is the truck I hope I can drive for another, you know, six, seven, eight years and not be dumping tons and tons of money into it. Yeah. But no. So no, I don't have a brand new Toyota Tundra. Yeah. My, uh, whenever I go to the mechanic, uh, for once a year, I take it in there for an, an inspection and I basically say to them, is it safe to drive with children in it? And, <laughs> and their answer is, well, you should probably get this fixed if you want it safe to drive with children in it. It's safe to drive, but if you add children to the equation, then you should probably yeah. fix this part of it. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll fix that part of it. So, um, and so, so I'm also the guy who beats the shit out of my equipment. And luckily my last two trucks have lasted me a very long time. And, uh, um, and I, 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 I always think about, Hey, should I get a newer type vehicle that one that actually looks good? And then I just envision myself the, the, the first time on one of the main farms that I hunt, it has horses on it. And Ugh. on the hood of my car, they drag their teeth across it if if I park in the same pen as them. And so one one year, they they drug their teeth across the hood of my truck. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And hold, hold on, hold yeah. on. Yep. Have you seen horses do this? What? Have you seen the horses actually do this? No, but the <laughs> landowner warned me not to park in the the horse pen where the horses are. Wow. Yeah. That's a reason number 712 not to trust those bastards oh dude i was walking out of the woods one day and their leader uh this old brown and white horse and by the way all of these horses are over 15 years old and so when one is sick or has died and i go to tell hey i just want to let you know when your horses died yeah it's about time (laughs) yeah yeah you should expect a lot more of that you know, in the next couple of years. Anyway, this one old raggedy bitch just won't die. Like I want her to die because she's really aggressive. And she came up behind me, I want to say five years ago and bit my backpack and <laughs> lifted me off the ground. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Listen, I don't, I do not get the horse thing, man. Yeah. I, I secretly, this is going to probably get me canceled, but I don't care. Yeah. Uh, when I fantasize about like a zombie apocalypse and what I would do, yeah. one of the things that makes me really excited is all these domestic animals are going to get out and then we're going to have to hunt them for food oh, and we're going yes. to get hunt horses. horses. Like, I just think about settling my pin on a horse and <laughs> and hitting that release and then just butchering <laughs> a horse. <laughs> I know. It's terrible. Do you think uh, they? Do you think they mule kick like like oh, a yeah. whitetail does? If you hard shoot them, they gotta. Oh my god, this is an awesome conversation. This is this is way better than the first conversation in the first uh, episode that we recorded. God, <laughs> Dude, I wonder what I other animal. I've 
I feel like a, a, a cow, if you shot it with an arrow, would just stand there and die and be stupid. Yeah. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't get the same kind of reaction out of a cow. I don't yeah. think. Horse ballistic just goes crazy. Yeah. 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 Okay. No. And I and I think they're just primed for a frontal shot too. Oh Jesus Christ, Tony! <laughs> I I enjoy this coming from one of my favorite places in the entire world. Growing up was my grandpa, my grandpa's farm, and he owned a horse farm. And I never thought about shooting a horse until today. And so really not even the one that one horse picked you up and threw you around like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Right. No, I, I just envisioned it dying of old age and then vultures eating it. That's, Mm. you know, I never thought about actually killing it. Um, listen, I'm not, I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying if the zombie apocalypse, okay. One of my primary food sources (laughs) might be horse. (laughs) I wonder what horse tastes like. Do you think horse is gamey? Delicious. Oh, you think it's de- delicious? Why not? It's it's probably pretty lean, if I had to guess. Yeah. You, you throw antlers on a horse, you've got an elk. Like, yeah. I th- I think they'd be delicious. Yeah. Especially if you can scrounge up some you know post apocalyptic barbecue sauce or yes. something to marinate them in. Yeah. I have a feeling that if you went into a grocery store um, after the zombie apocalypse. There would still be quite a few bottles of barbecue sauce left because everybody would be going for other things. Man, I think right away, but yeah. after a while, I think anything with calories is going to get taken. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably yeah. right. Well, listen, man, I think about the zombie apocalypse a lot. Yeah. So, are you a are you a person who preps for the zombie apocalypse? No, no. But I have a surprising amount of dreams where I'm prepping for a zombie apocalypse. Yep. So, which is probably something that I should tell my therapist and not you. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the listeners. <laughs> I have a, I, I have a, my wife has a friend and she's the type of friend who is into the crystals. I don't know. Does your wife have a friend that's into crystals and, and uh, her uh, sister, her sister? Yeah. I mean, you can go as detailed into that as you want. I, I would probably recommend leaving it alone. But yeah. and, and let me talk about my friends because you don't have to live with her. She does. She's not gonna like come to any family gatherings. Listen, I I just let it slide. Yeah. So I told her I made the mistake of telling her that I had dream. I've been having dreams about owls, and because I had like three days in a row, I had the same like similar dreams with the same freaking owl in it. And she broke that all down for me. What it means, uh, like how I'm, my emotional state is, um, what, like what I'm thinking, asking me a whole bunch of questions. So she's into that type of, I don't know, uh, like seeing the future. She's into the crystals. She's into the, uh, what are those, uh, like Scorpio and, uh, horoscope, horoscope type stuff. Yeah. She's into all that. And so I, I, I was asking her questions about it and stuff like that and, Oh man, sounds like I I might have like mental illness or something like that. So not as much as she does. <laughs> not as much as she does. That shit's so dumb. Have no, I, let me ask you this. It's uh it's November and you haven't had the opportunity. You haven't had the opportunity to kill a deer yet. Have you ever looked at a horoscope or a Chinese fortune no. cookie and said today's my day? No. Okay. No, but I will say this because I was thinking about writing about it. Man, I probably shouldn't even say this. I'm like weirdly superstitious about some hunting stuff. Okay. Like 
Do you have any of that? <laughs> Superstitions. Um, so can I explain one to you before you get into yours? Yes, do it. So you know where I'm coming from. Yep, do it. So when it, you know, all right. So you have your quiver with you know four arrows, five arrows, whatever you've got in there. Yep. And you know, arrow, you know, broadhead matched all that bullshit, numbered, whatever, however you do it. And I always I go out, and if it's like my first hunt, I use the first arrow. And if I don't see anything, that arrow's bad juju. And I go to the next one. Or if I do see something and I have good encounters, I keep using that arrow until it freaking dries up. No shit. Yeah. And I'm not I it sounds worse now that I say it out loud. I probably should have kept that to myself. Did you shoot because I've done this before, Tony. I've shot, I'm trying to think of what year it was. I want to say it was either 2016 or 2017. I shot a doe. I said, dude, I love this arrow. It's got to be good luck. Used it again on my buck that year. So I, I just changed the broadhead out of it. Do you keep the same broadhead and everything? No, 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 no. Oh, no. Not if I shoot an animal. Okay. I don't. But, but you'll use the same, the same arrow. arrow. No, I'm talking about if it's if I shoot an animal with an arrow, it's done. Okay. Uh, I'm just saying the one I knock up with, you okay. know. Yeah. So you'll will you rotate them then through the quiver, and so like uh, five no, no, days no. later you bring it back. It, oh God! Yeah. So <laughs> can of worms. I would be less embarrassed right now if I had Mark's mustache. All right. <laughs> so. Oh, I'll give I'll give you a little rundown here. When okay. I went to Colorado okay. this year, elk hunting, my first arrow, put it on, you know, knocked up. I'm sitting over a, a water hole. Two bull elk come in. Not they, they don't come into the water, but I see them, which is a good day of elk hunting, right? Yep. Just, you know. So then I use that arrow again the next day, and I see – oh, I have one – one bull come in, but he wins me. And I'm like, this this arrow's doing well. Well, I have one day where it doesn't happen. So I switch out and use the second arrow. Nothing happens. Terrible day. And so then I'm like, I got to go back to that first arrow because at least when I had that on, I was seeing elk. And then I shot an elk with it. So yeah. tell me that didn't work. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, what more proof would you need <laughs> that that clearly was the reason? It sounds to me, Tony, like – you are so afraid of failing that you're looking for things to blame if it doesn't go right for you. It's it's uh, it's my arrow's uh, fault, I, dude. I remember doing that shit when I was like twelve. Yeah, and being like, ah, oh, you know, maybe this is the lucky arrow. And you know, I'm I don't know if you remember this or not, but like, it, you you know, like Chuck Adams had his like hat or whatever. Like yeah. people had these yeah. like you know, personal like brand kind of items or whatever. And like the good luck stuff. Yep. And I don't know where I picked it up, but it's dumb and I'm ashamed of it. I probably should buy some freaking crystals. I dude, you number one, don't overlook the crystals. Number two, I have that superstitious item and that's my hat. I wear a Brown hat that I got from target. It's comfortable. It's a short, it's like a shorter brim. Um, some people make fun of me because it says it makes me look communist uh, I am not communist, uh, but, uh, they, it's, it's, it's a hat that I just, I dig. It's my, it's my vibe. If you want to call it a vibe. And it is also like, I don't know. It's, it's my good luck, my good luck hat. Now 
I've killed. Yeah, I get I, it. Yeah. So, so crystals are, are stupid, but superstition is okay. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. At least we're not being hypocritical at all. Hey, I forgot <laughs> to tell you yesterday. <laughs> okay. So, I got a text from my sister like two weeks ago and she said, did you lose a finger? What? <laughs> And I said, uh, no. And she goes, does somebody at Meat Eater lose a finger? And I go, I don't know. I don't think so. And she goes, because there's a guy I work with and his brother or something is a, it listens to you all the time and was talking about this nine finger guy. <laughs> and I was like, oh. oh. Yeah, you should probably just distance yourself from that. <laughs> now I just get deny. it. Just deny everything. <laughs> Now I get it. I was oh, like, oh, man. that's my buddy. No, I still have all 10. Well, the good thing about this is, is that uh, our conversations are making waves and people are listening to us. So there's at least 10 or 15 people who are listening to us talk about, and I don't even know what the topic was supposed to be about today. I mean, October hunting, I think, but this is more fun anyway. Yeah. 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 Maybe we'll just cover the bullet points at the end of the show and just be like, yeah, listen, uh, find a scrape line on a cold front. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah. The lull isn't real. Keep yeah. hunting. Yep, exactly. Um, what is, I want to, I got to ask you a couple questions about relationships here since we're totally derailed here anyway. Um, let me, let me ask you, when was the last time as a husband or a father that you became either extremely irritated or straight up angry last night okay <laughs> same uh, yesterday morning two days ago same here two morning ago yeah. last weekend uh what was it man i get this sucks this is this i can just I can feel my personal brand equity just withering on the vine with this podcast. Just know so, that you always have a home. If, if if your if your brand equity sinks so low, you can come work. You can come work with me, man. We don't even take brand equity into consideration over here. Good. I'm gonna. <laughs> this is the life raft I need. Exactly. This. So yesterday, I'm I'm leaving tomorrow for South Dakota for a week to go film a, a whitetail hunt on public land. So I've been packing all my stuff and I don't, I've never met the camera guy. So I'm bringing double of just about everything. And you know, the drill, right? Like yep. it's, it's stressful. You're like, okay, I got to buy all the food. I got to pack. I got to make sure the campus stuff's correct. I got to scout. And then the, one of the places I was planning to hunt that has treated me really well, I pull up on X and it's been pulled out of the walk-in program. So that's off limits. So a lot of stuff was com conspiring to stress me out. And then we've been doing this, this, we, we refinished our basement and then my girls have split up. So they're not in the same room anymore. And so it's been a home improvement nightmare for since Turkey season. Yeah. I am just wore out. And so anyway, you know, in that process, you get rid of a bunch of stuff and we had like these, like store, like wooden storage unit type things for our house, like shelving type stuff or whatever. Put it out on the front. Nobody takes it because it's shitty, right? And right. so I had to burn a bunch of sticks and stuff in the backyard anyway. I'm like, well, I'm going to burn this stuff. 
my wife was gone with the girls. I'm like, this is perfect. Yep. I'm going to go, go out back, start a fire and just get rid of this stuff. And so I'm doing that and they come home and which is fine, whatever, you know, the girls are throwing stuff in the fire. Then they go inside to go to bed. And then my wife stays out there and I don't know if she never got to have a fire when she was a kid or what, but she's like so concerned that I'm going to start the world on fire. It's like filling up a five gallon bucket and it's freaking wet here, man. Like we have, a, I literally have a pond in my backyard. I'm burning next to a pond and in green grass. Like yeah. this is not, you know, and about 12 times she'd be like, Oh, you know, you see that part? Like what if that falls out of the fire ring? And I was just like, I was finally, I was like, can you just please go inside? I don't, I don't want you here with me. You're ruining right? this for me. Yeah. I actually kind of like burning shit and I can't stand listening to you talk about how dangerous this could be. And so, yeah, I got fired up last night over that. And I know it sounds petty, but I was just like, oh my God, just let me get this done. Yeah. I don't know what it is about fatherhood that frustrates me so much. I mean, I here, I, I always say, I always say, I love my kids. Don't get me wrong. I love them. They're awesome. Like in every single way, asterisks. But this morning. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm making eggs for the family on the, on the stove. And my daughter goes, Hey dad, can I crack an egg and put it in there? I go, Hey, I tell you what, why don't you just let me take care of it? We'll be, everything will be okay. Uh, and she's like, come on, dad, let me do it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And then my son, he's like, dad, I want to do one too. And I'm like, buddy, don't you have to get ready for school? (laughs) And he's, (laughs) and so my daughter grabs an egg cracks it and okay good she's capable puts it down she reaches for another one i said that's enough let's just get out of here so i can finish my son grabs one he goes dad i know how to do this i know how to do this and i said buddy whatever you know you you just give up at some point okay so he he taps it ever so lightly on the counter it does crack and instead (laughs) of putting the thumbs in there to try to pull it apart. He just squeezes it straight out of the egg into the dish. Yolk's broken. And now there's a mess all over his hands. It's dripping on the floor. I'm just like, like, you don't want, like there's two, you have this, this monologue inside your brain that just goes, Dan, I know what you're thinking. Don't get mad at him. He's just seven. He doesn't know any better, but what happens is that comes out as God damn it. What? (laughs) Yeah. Like I just am like, you just get frustrated. And so I don't know that with telling the kids multiple times to brush their teeth. I don't understand. Like, I honestly don't think my kids hear below a certain decibel of me talking. Yeah. Right. And so it takes me screaming in order to get them to do something dude uh yeah no i get it yeah i you know what i feel like so 
that story that's like your your life is just my life mm -hmm. and when i was i don't i don't remember how old i was i was i don't know maybe early 20s i was i was fishing the smallmouth river fishing the river in southeastern minnesota and i was i was walking ahead of my buddy and we were going to cross and i picked a spot and it was flowing pretty good but it didn't look that deep yeah and he was like man i don't know and I stepped into that river, and as soon as I stepped in with one leg, I was like, oh, shit. And it took me, and it was like water sky, water sky, water sky, till I hit the rapids <laughs> down, like, soaked, you know, right? And I feel like every day I'm just about to step into that river and nothing I can do about it. Literally every day. the most depressing shit. <laughs> like, hey, for yeah, dude, so I look, like, at my, <laughs> I look at my Instagram demographics the other day, and it is like, right, it's, it's got to be the same. Let me pull it up. I just want to make sure here. Shouldn't take me too long to get to this. Um, so insights. Okay. So let's look at my, my, uh, my demographic here. And that is, where are we at here? Where are we at? Total four. Okay. I got to pull this up. Okay. So, so the majority of the people, and this is all based off in Instagram, are from 25 to 34 years old. That is the, and then the second is from 35 to 40 uh, years old. So roughly about 77% of the demographic is 25 to 44 years old that listen, that I'm going to assume follow me on Instagram and listen to this podcast. So yep. what we are doing right now is just telling that early group, that 25-year-old, the maybe 34-year-old group, don't have children. If you want, <laughs> like, if you have good patience and you have understanding and things like that, which uh, eventually will get worn down to nothing, like an old yep. shoe, um, like maybe maybe doing something else, like getting into uh, religion would be a better idea for you other than having kids. Kids are awesome. Don't get me wrong. But there, there comes a point where having children kills you. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, dude, I've got a buddy. One of my really good hunting buddies is down in at Disney right now <laughs> dur during the hurricane. <laughs> Holy shit. And he was like pretty not excited to go in the in the first place and then uh he was <laughs> texting me the other night he's like i don't know if i can i can handle this me and the wife are not on speaking terms <laughs> and i was like dude just go buy some edibles and catch some lizards <laughs> and then he sent me a picture like 20 minutes later of a handful of edibles and uh, he said go lizard hunting so self-medication oh, yeah uh, yeah. Well, hey, sometimes that that self-medication works. I do it every once in a while. Now, one more thing I need to bitch about before we get into today's topic. And that is, that is so my wife got after me the other day about dishes in our sink in the the sink or in the there was some dishes in the sink. You know, I work too. She works. There was dishes in the sink. There was um uh, some dishes on the counter. The counter was dirty. Like shit wasn't put away from breakfast. And she's like, well, I really like it. I would really like it if this was done, you know, done because, you know, we have flies and ants. I get it. Right. Yeah. But in my head, I didn't say it out loud because I wanted to uh, avoid the argument. 
uh, she says, she says that to me and, uh, I, I was like, okay, all right. Then later, this was, this was a couple of weeks ago. Then later she says to me something about, um, fixing a light bulb or changing, a, a something, I don't know, a light bulb. And she says to me, I guess I'm just used, I, I guess I, I guess I'm just used to coming from a traditional household where the men do that stuff. Oh my God, dude. You want to talk about internal rage? Like, like, oh God, I want to say some things right now that even on this podcast, I can't say, but yeah, I was so angry inside. I, I've never had to do this before where, um, where I, I, I've had to go for a walk. Like I, I had to leave the house and I had to go for a walk and, and then I don't know if she said it to me again or something like that. And I, I said, so are you comfortable doing all of the laundry, all of the cooking, taking care of the kids while I do all of this other household stuff? Well, I didn't mean it like that. And I'm just like, <clears throat> like I just envisioned myself turning into some kind of, some kind of version of the incredible Hulk and smashing our fucking house down to the ground. Yeah. 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 Uh, I get it. Yeah. All, all the all the young guys listening are like, nah, it's not gonna be me. Yeah, not like, me. Oh. Not me, dog. Dude. I yeah. dude, I said that. I, I yeah, said no, that I know stuff. everybody does. We're yeah. just idiots. Yeah. We we all say it. I dude, my wife gets mad at me all the time for shit that I don't know how to do. And I'm yeah. like, how is this fair? Yeah. Or, be, how come you can't do this to your car? Or how come you can't do this? I'm like, how come you can't cook or deep throat? Like what <laughs> what's going on here? Like are, if we're getting mad at people for not being able to do stuff, right? Like this should go both ways, right? Exactly. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. Um, uh, there are days where, if I want to be a smartass, I will. J- especially after a day, after a day of the, um, her being angry at me, I will just be, "Hey, man, um, what what do you got going on today?" And she's like, well, I got to do this, this, and this, and this. And when the kids got practice, and I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so when are you going to get mad at me today? I just want to plan it into my schedule so there's no conflicts. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, yesterday you were mad at me for a dream you had. Uh, and so I don't know if um, I need to take this anger seriously or just avoid you or, like, just walk away. So you just let me know. And I'll be flexible. <laughs> Dude, she she got pretty mad at that. But it was a win yeah, for weird. me because it was a low blow. And uh, I'm like the king of low blows. So, Yeah, oh, it's good times. Yep. And you know what? Um, here's what I'll say about that. Um, I love my wife. Right? I love her. She's an awesome person. She's a, a great mother. And, um, you know, marriage is uh, is difficult is what I'll say. It's not, e- it's not easy. <laughs> no. Right. It's not easy or right. very fun or smart right. or whatever. Like, right. Yeah. Right. You know what I should do is I should call up a, a marriage therapist or a counselor and, and bring them on and talk about like hunting season and marriage happiness and see, I don't know. I think that Ooh. would be a good conversation. That would be a good conversation. Yeah. All right, hard pivot. <laughs> right, right now people are are 
are confused as hell about what is going on right now. And they haven't, it's almost like a train wreck, but a very, one of those slow motion train wrecks where there are people dying, but you, you're, you're so in shock that you don't want to run into help, but you also don't want to leave. Yeah. But you know, people are dying and it could be our careers, Tony could be our careers. What? I sort of feel like I'm on the verge of just sabotaging my career anyway. <laughs> I think it's time for 2.0. I'm going to go down and be a – I'm sure there's going to be some sweet deals on some boats in Florida soon. I can go guide some saltwater fishing or something. Let me ask you this. Who do you think are the biggest dirt bags? Whitetail hunters or small <laughs> guys who only fish for smallmouth? That's a great question. Honestly, I'd probably have to say whitetail hunters, yeah. but I don't really know why. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that whitetail hunters are the most shady people compared to, if you're just going to compare the two groups, I honestly think, and I don't know why this is what my gut tells me and my gut's been wrong over 50% of the time. I would say that, um, someone who's, who fishes specifically for smallmouth bass are actually good people. Like if they see you on the side of the road with a flat tire, there's a good chance that they would pull over and help you change your tire as opposed to a whitetail hunter that probably wouldn't even move over to the other lane. They would probably run your legs over while you're changing your, your tire and then not stop. So you're pretty jaded on the whitetail hunter thing right now. No, I mean, I love those people because I look at myself as one of those people. One of those types oh, of people. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have all nothing but love for them. But I, I just think there's probably some in, improvements that we could do to make our, ourselves look a little better. Man, you know, it's the it's the freaking trophy aspect of it, dude. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I right. mean, I, I was talking to this woman at the gym the other day, and I used her her son used to come in a lot and, and lift, and he would show me pictures of the deer he killed once in a while, you know, and she was saying how they her her kid would hunt with her husband and they would go to the friend's land or whatever but everybody got pissed at him the the son because he shot a smaller than they deemed okay buck and he kind of got like shunned out he's like 24 and i was like it just it was one of those stories where i'm like oh my god i'm like i'm so sick of that shit yeah at least there's drugs and alcohol for him to fall back on at that age. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's true. Yeah. So he's got, he's, there's a plan B is what I'm yeah. getting at. So, <laughs> so, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like there, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that That's, that's what my gut tells me. Um, I didn't really think out any of those statements, so I might put a warning at the beginning of this podcast that says, don't listen to it if you're expecting something, but yeah. not describe what we're trying to accomplish. So, Or if you're easily offended or you yeah. love horses. Or <laughs> horses, yeah. If you love horses. Big crystal guy, maybe want to lay off this one. <laughs> I can't wait to get the email or the the DM in Instagram. Dear Dan, uh, just thought the last episode with you and Tony Peterson was not your best. As an avid horse lover and crystal collector, I believe (laughs) it's coming. Dude, it's going to come. Someone will will bitch about it. Yeah. Listen, I didn't say we should hunt horses unless. Unless. 
Yes. Unless the zombie apocalypse hits. Yeah. Just imagine uh, right now, there is a guy driving. He's like, honey, uh, we're going on a little trip. Do you mind if I listen to an episode of my favorite podcast? It's the Nine Finger Chronicles. He puts this on. His wife is sitting next to him, and his wife is a crystal lover, right? One of those, like, uh, and she's got, like, her... uh, her Libra tattoo on her wrist or whatever she is on her wrist or lower back. And she is, Oh no, dream catcher on her lower back, dream catcher or on her thigh, outer thigh, a big dream catcher too. Cause she's like really into it. Crystals and dream catchers. And so anyway, they're driving down the road. This guy totally agrees with everything that we've said, but he has to look at his wife and lie straight to her face. Like, I'll probably never listen to this podcast again. These guys are just, they're lowbrow. And and then she's like, she bitches about it. And then she's mad at him. And then he becomes mad at me because of what I've said. And he has to, right? He has to be mad at me. And I won't, I won't get mad at him because I understand. Yeah, no, no. He's just doing what he's got to do to survive. Yeah. This is a good podcast so far. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I have been able to vent today. I don't get to vent to a lot of people. I have one friend, and I'm going to say one friend because he lives across the street from me now. I graduated high school with him. He has since moved into my neighborhood, and I don't talk. I never talked to him, but he's he's not a hunter. He's not a hunter, so he doesn't like he doesn't give a shit about like whether I kill a deer or not. He's still going to be my friend, and so like I can talk to him about anything, and he can talk to me about anything, and so uh, it's like that. But I just, it's awesome. This feels good. I, I'm, I'm going to walk away from this podcast feeling very positive and energized, so I think. Are you, are you saying that we should we should not be friends with people who don't kill deer? Because if, if that's the case, then I've got bad news for Mark. <laughs> One of these days, we got to get Mark on here with <laughs> us so he can defend himself, right? Because uh, quite frankly, Tony, he doesn't talk shit to you. Uh, on when I have him on on this podcast, he does though. Sometimes. He does. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. we may have to have like a face off, Tony versus Mark. <laughs> uh, I anytime. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so as promised, we're we're forty two minutes into this recording right now, and really haven't talked about anything. Uh, and that can you just put a period on the end of that sentence? But um, October. All right. Blanket statements in October, like, uh, I never hunt the mornings or the lull is real. What do you, what are your thoughts on blanket statements, uh, on October hunting? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They're dumb. Okay. All right. Uh, um, I don't, I disagree with them wholeheartedly. Yes, I agree. I, I disagree uh, with that as well. Okay. The second question is, what on a high you can go as high level or as detailed into this question as possible what are your thoughts on and i i honestly don't consider the last week in october the last uh, 5 to 7 days of october 
October hunting. I call that I call that like the beginning of pre-rut. Yeah, pre-rut goes into even the first maybe four to five days of November, even in in some of the farms that I hunt. So we kind of have this early season, early October time frame. I would say from October first to October. What would you What would you say? Twentieth. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. I you could probably even say like the twenty fifth. Honestly, yeah, I agree. What are your thoughts on October hunting uh, in those first three weeks? I love it. And I, I mean, I, I especially love it on public land because everybody thinks that that's just not the time to kill them. Yeah. And I would so much rather work deer that have been blown off of the field edges and are back in a staging area pattern without having the influence of a bunch of other hunters versus some, you know, versus even the rut or opening week where, you know, the deer should be easier, but you've got this compounded effect of, of other hunters. Yeah. And I really, man, I don't know. I, part of it's my background growing up in Minnesota and not relying on the rut, uh, just because of our early gun opener. But I think people are crazy for not hunting this first three weeks of October and for not finding ways to hunt mornings and for not just getting on fresh sign and setting up. Yeah. Now, is, is that comment then directed to people who know what they're doing as far as, hey, I've scouted this farm or this property. I know the terrain features. I know where, like, I, I have experience from historical deer movement um, as opposed to someone who doesn't do any scouting or any preparation. Like, is that the same comment that you would say to both groups of people? Well, I mean, it, uh, if you're not doing any scouting or anything, you're just in a different place. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're probably just going to sit in the same stands over and over again. Yeah. I mean, the the way that I look at it is like we, we've, we've been really conditioned to believe that this is a bad time of year to hunt yeah. and it's better to stay out and preserve the deer movement for later when it should be getting better. And there are absolutely arguments to be made if you have good places to hunt and people aren't going to go in there that that's not a bad move. Like there's, there's, there are a lot of reasons to do that if you have that specific kind of hunting situation. But the problem is if you're a public land hunter or you're a knock on the doors type of hunter and you're sharing land, we go, oh, well, I'm going to just preserve this. I'm going to stay out. And then you're putting yourself at a time where you're going to go hunt when you think it should be amazing because it should be the rut, right? But you've got all these other people out there and you know, as well as anyone, you can be on a banging property in Iowa and have a shitty rut hunt. Like it's generally, you know, if you have enough time, it's going to break your way eventually, but you can go out and, and have bad rut hunts and it happens a lot to people and they don't factor that in and they just go, well, I'm being a smart hunter by not hunting now. And I just look at it and I go, I'd rather just get out there and hunt and figure out what's going on. And you have, man, you, you have a real opportunity in the first three weeks of October to catch one staging, to find, to find really fresh rubs or scrapes and set up on them. And then in the middle of October, you know, like the 10th to the 20th, give a really nice window there to hunt scrapes and actually kill one. Yeah. And so just to just like write that totally off because it's not supposed to be good. I just, it's crazy to me. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to throw a scenario at you that happens to me all the time. And it's how much value I give trail camera pictures. 
So in the past, I and this is me personally, right? I We talked about this yesterday. I don't get too fired up about the first three weeks of October because traditionally I, I have hunted those time frames and I just have more set success in the, the November rut time frame. And I base that off of trail camera data that I have years and years of the same trail camera in the same location collecting data. And so the data tells me that there is uh, like mature deer movement, like the first, what I would consider four-year-old or older on some of the farms that I have access to are not daylighting until, or what, cause I, I'm kind of contradicting myself here when I say daylighting, cause I'm sure they're on their feet somewhere at daylight, right? I would have to just go find out where that is, but yep. majority of the, the pinch points, the, the fence crossings, the staging areas, um, even into the bedding areas of, of some of these trail cameras that I, I just let soak the whole year. I don't even go check them until after the season's over mm-hmm. the movement on four-year-old mature deer doesn't really take off until that. I would say the 27th to the 28th of October. Am I putting, in your opinion, am I putting too much weight on that trail camera data? Uh, probably, but it probably doesn't matter to your personal situation. Yeah. You know, I mean, cause you got to think, okay, well you're in Iowa on private farms and you know, most of the listeners aren't. Yeah. So, you know, and, and on top of that, I really do think like, I just think in general, it's real danger ground to rely too much on trail cameras. I mean, I, I've watched two deer this year get shot directly in front of trail cameras that didn't pick them up. Like, I'm just, I'm I'm becoming more and more jaded on trail cameras yeah. the more I mess with them. And I tested tested a lot of cameras when I worked at Bowhunter. Like, we're, we're missing a lot of deer. Yeah. And, and so, you know, in some situations, like, you know, if you were running a feeder or something in a certain, in a state that allowed baiting, like you'd like, that's pretty reliable data, right? Like it's right. probably not going to miss a lot of deer that are coming in. But I think, I think most people don't have a situation where they can totally rely on trail camera data to tell them when to hunt. Right. Like, I think they'd be better off like, okay, filter that through. What is it showing you? You know, if, if they're not moving here, like you said, they're probably moving somewhere. Like I, I I think that the buck that's truly nocturnal is a very rare deer. Yeah. Like I don't I don't think that deer exists very uh, in very many places in, in any kind of like any any level of frequency that we give it credit for. And so I'm like, go find them. Yeah. You know, and you know, this is another thing that I push a lot and people they don't want to hear it, but for me, let's say you have that private spot and you're running cameras on it and you're like it's just not happening there. But what if you have an afternoon to hunt? Like, do you have a backup spot or would you, would you ever consider going into public land just to walk in and find some sign? Like, can you keep hunting? And, you know, I do this over in Northern Wisconsin all the time because I own two properties over there, but I don't, I don't personally hardly ever hunt them. Like, but I run cameras on them and I do the whole thing, take my kids in there. I let my buddies hunt it, but I go hunt you know, the thousands and thousands of acres of timber company land and, you know, the public land close by because I'm like, I'd rather just hunt and see what I can find. And I'll tell you, man, I see some 
big deer and I've killed some really big deer in the first three weeks of October doing that, where you're just kind of like, I'm just going to go try to figure something out. And sometimes you find something really cool. Have you ever had an opportunity? Maybe you went into, and this isn't really a, uh, a date specific or a time of year specific question, but have you ever had the opportunity with the time that you had in the tree in, that you've put in a tree stand to really observe a mature whitetail up close. And what I mean up close, I mean like within a hundred yards for hours at a time. Uh, a couple hours. Yeah. 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 Um, and it, that, that's the other thing too is it well, And you know, especially out West where you get to watch them. Yeah. And, so yeah, I've had I've had situations where I've been on them for a while, yeah. and it's like it's amazing to me how often they get up and do something. Right. You know, like it's they they're not going and laying down in one bed before first light and staying there till dark. Like they're they're gonna stand up and browse around and they do some stuff or go into a little water hole or something. Like they it's it's pretty neat, and I I honestly think that that's. You know, that's why I preach about the, the summer scouting so much and glassing. Like, the more you can watch them, the more you sort of just demystify them. You know, yeah. when you get a trail camera image, you're like, that's sweet. He came through here this on this date. And that's cool. But it's not the same thing as watching one walk through the woods. Yeah. You know, or watching one bed down for a while. Yeah. I <laughs> I love how deer contradict themselves all the time. Right. Uh, when, when you When you start talking about things like, oh, you know, when I was a kid. The, one of the first things I learned about hunting the wind was deer only walk in to the wind, right? I mean, so every time I would try to set up, I would assume they would be coming from one direction because that's the way the wind was blowing. So I had to find a way to set up in an area and, and not let my scent go to their wind. You know, you find out that that's true, but they're not, not really true. And the reason I brought that up is because I've had the ability, I can remember one, one morning, it was, I would say past the 7th of November and I was in a tree stand and I watched a, a 170 class, I'm going to say four or five year old whitetail walk into the woods. Um, I was deep in a big chunk of uh, timber, so I didn't necessarily see him come off any ag or any field edge, but he was... You know, he came into this ridge, he went to the end of the ridge, he sat down, or he, he sat down, and I watched him for, I want to say, I sat that, I sat all day that day, so eight hours, maybe, he sat down, he stood up one time, he walked back up the ridge, he made a little rub, and then he looked like he was picking around on the ground, maybe, I'm guessing there was like an acorn tree or something there went back to the exact same place he was setting, sat down, and then he stood up right at last light. And this is in November. And then he walked down the ridge back to the bottom, like the opposite way down to the bottom. And so, and then I've had another occasion where I was able to watch in, in this thickest, nastiest, like the perfect type bedding, you know, what everybody describes, where I was in there, I had the right wind, and I watched a buck probably about 80 yards 
sit up, stand up, walk around like all day long. He was standing up and sitting down. And that was in probably mid, I would say around that 20 to 25th of October timeframe. So, but they, they stayed tight to their bedding for most, most of the day is what I'm getting at. So I don't know what that really means, but it's just, I don't know. Some, some deer like to sit down and do nothing. And some like to, they get bored almost. And they like to, they mosey around a little bit, but he never left, I would say uh, an acre, acre and a half area. But that's, I mean, the the lesson there is the thick stuff, right? Exactly. And and that's, you know, I think that's the the biggest contributor to this belief that the lull is like so impactful is because we like to go sit field edges and all of a sudden we don't see deer anymore. Right. And, you know, and we run trail cameras on field edges and we go, oh, they're not coming by, you know, until dark. And when you get into the cover like that, it's a, it's a different thing. And it, you know, what's crazy about that, you know, like you talking about that is you go, okay, well that's, you know, third week of October and then, you know, into November or whatever, but I've seen the same kind of stuff in September and early October too, where you see that kind of like, just, I'm hanging out in my house, but I'm going from room to room kind of movement right? where they're not going out, but it, but it might be like 10 o'clock in the morning. When they're doing that and you're like, man, there's a, there's a world there, like their world. We don't understand it because you don't get to see that very often, you know? No. Yeah. And that's nuts. Um, The last kind of thing I wanted to touch base on is, you know, we, we were talking about blanket statements and we were talking about and Instagram and social media as much as I hate it. uh, It gives me, uh, it gives me content or enough things to get angry at uh, to talk about them here on, on this podcast. So I, I don't know where you stand. I'm going to say what I, what I feel. I feel that the first three weeks of October, if a cold front comes through, I feel like hunting that cold front. Now, if it lines up on a weekend and you don't have to work, right, that's awesome. Go do it. But I feel like the first three weeks of October uh, where I hunt, I feel like cold fronts are overrated. And I think when you when I look at the writings, when I look at the the social media or the influencers or even some of the big names in the industry talk about the uh, the the weather patterns or things that happen in early October that will lead you to a big buck, I feel like that's overrated and, and overhyped. What are your thoughts? I think it's very it's I think a cold front in October like that is great if you have an awesome place to hunt. Yeah. But I don't I mean I and I know I sound like a broken record here, but I don't think anything trumps hunting pressure. Like yeah. I hear all of the talk about the moon phase and you know, this frontal weather and rainy and hot and cold and everything else and waiting for the conditions to line up perfectly. And in my experience, nothing nothing matters as much as their survival instinct and nothing, nothing feeds that more than, you know, like prevalence of predators. And so it's always like, yeah, okay. You know, if you could get a cold front in early October, maybe that'll get them on their feet a little early or something. But in most hunting situations, you still have to do a lot of work to get to where they want to be anyway. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's like the, it's the same thing. Like, you know, we talk about the rut, like it's going to save everybody. And it's like, well, if that were the case, you know, bow hunters in Iowa would have a hundred percent success rate. Yeah. Like, why don't they? 
It's like, cause it doesn't like it, and it, it's a great time to hunt and it's a lot of fun, but it's not, you know, a lot of these things that we talk about, they're not as impactful on like overall success as we kind of make them seem to be. Yeah. And honestly, when you talk like the first three weeks of October and a cold front, yeah, you know, you get a cold front with some rain coming in or something, you're going to get some deer on their feet for sure. Yeah. But you know, if it's 85 degrees, you're going to have deer on their feet too. They're just going to be going to water and not coming out into the wide open cut cornfield. Yeah. You know, here's like, what I, here's what I will say. Cold front, in my opinion, cold front and, um, long periods of time of precipitation, like a, a 24 to 48 hour rain event are two completely different things. If you ask, if you were to ask me, big time, I will get in the woods after a 24 hour soaker and that is, I have bucks on my wall where I can tell you exactly what happened on those, you know, on those, those occasions. And a majority of the deer currently hanging on my wall are because of hunting the second the raindrop start, stopped falling and I was in yep. the stand. And for some reason or another, they get on their feet and that's where I found a majority of my success. Uh, rain's huge. Yeah. I mean, it, you're tied into a frontal conditions there, of yeah. course, but yeah, right, and right. There's two things. I mean, if you get a light rain, deer will move. But if you get that like 24 hours of nonstop, everything soaked, flooding type shit, when that blows through, oh man. And that's, I mean, that's that's any part of the season to me. Right, right. You brought up something really interesting, and I want I'm gonna make a noise with my mouth and my arm. And I want you to tell me what you think this noise is. Hang on. <laughs> what, like, you, you get what I did there? Yeah, no, I get it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why you did it. Oh, yeah. And here's, the, here's why I did it. I feel like anytime anybody talk, tries to talk about moon phase hunting strategy, that the end of the sentence should be them <laughs> having to do that. Because I am such an anti-moon phase guy. I feel like people who <laughs> I feel like people who believe in the moon phase and people who believe in crystals are really in the same bucket of people. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that ruffles any feathers. Listen, they're at least playing in the same sandbox. In the same sandbox. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they're sharing toys. Yeah. The, they probably share the same moon phase calendar, that little uh, spinny thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, they probably sh- uh, share that. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean. <laughs> that was a bad, I don't know if that was a good transition or a bad transition, but that's how I feel. And so that's how I, I expressed it. I I think almost every hunter out there would be better off if they had no idea when or you know what what phase the moon was in what weather was coming other than maybe wind direction yes and they just said you know what every chance i can to go get in a tree i'm going to figure out a way to do it yeah or you know go build a natural blind and observe or something if you just got out there and hunted and and gave yourself enough options where you're like you know if it's if the conditions just suck for the 40 acres that i always hunt i'm going down the road and i'm going to I'm going to sit next to this cattail slew on public and just see what happens. People would, they would level up. Yeah. They would, they would stop making excuses for not, you know, like, Oh, I can't go today because it's a full moon or I can't go because it's too hot. And they would just go figure out that the deer are out there doing their thing. Right. Exactly. 
I have one more question for you, Tony, and that is overrated, underrated type scenarios here. Because I, I, I'm conflicted with this. I feel that they're necessary at some point, but I also feel that people do this and then they lose an opportunity. And that is observation hunts. Overrated, underrated? Underrated. Underrated. Ooh, explain. Uh, because if you see, if you get to watch deer do something, you have learned a lot. Right. And dude, I, I do this, this is like, this is sort of my go-to strategy. Every time I travel to public land is like, you know, observation stand, move in observation stand, move in. And you know, your observation stand is a place you might kill, but you're not like, this is the spot on the spot typically. But I, I get on a lot of deer by watching yeah. and it's like, you know, it, and the thing about it too, that, that is really important that people get wrong a lot is they're like, they discount anything that's not the caliber of buck they're after. Yeah. So if you, if you're sitting there on a ridge and you see a forky go through and you're only hunting 140 inches, it's like, that's not impactful, but there's a reason he traveled the way he did, Absolutely. or there's a reason you know, those does came down and they crossed the creek right there. Like other deer will do that, including probably the one you want to kill. Like I think I think watching deer go through the woods or, or like just go across the landscape is like maybe the most valuable thing that can happen to you out there. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. And I'll tell you this. I got a little bit of a old Dan Johnson sneak up on me yesterday that the new Dan, like the current Dan Johnson had to like put back in, in his place. And that was... I have a, a cell cam out there and it's only does coming through uh, and it's, but it's consistent doe movement. And I was like, Jesus, man, there's only does. But then the real Dan Johnson had to step up and go, Hey, dipshit. That's the perfect place to be late October, right? Yep. That's the perfect place that you want to be. If there's consistent doe movement coming through an area and you, you may not be seeing shooter caliber bucks, the, 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 first doe that goes into heat will have probably the most dominant buck biggest i don't know oldest most mature for the most part i'm guessing yep. right behind her so yep. find that spot and and learn to love looking at does yep well and you know how that is too that spot might suddenly turn into a bachelor pad right you know like that stuff happens man and, and you see this i'm always amazed when i hunt out west where you can really see and you know you're watching a two miles of a river bottom with your spotting scope and you know tonight you saw only does go on this trail and only scrappers on that one and you know one big one but he never crossed and then the next night it's like three big ones came down here and they crossed right where the does did like yep. it's it's amazing the more you get to watch them how it's like man we're just there's so much going on out there that we just like we we we're filling in the blanks all the time because we just don't know. Right. But the more you get to watch them, the more you go, man. It like they're teaching me about deer. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's a great that's a great ending point for for this uh, hodgepodge of a podcast. What do you think the listeners learned today? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, I'm done. My time's up. See ya. I got to go <laughs> I'm gonna get you go on that. South Dakota. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go to South Dakota for a week and see if I come back to a job. Right, right. Uh, yeah, Tony, we have your, uh, we got to do a review. Uh, 
Uh, do you know Dan Johnson? <laughs> yeah. Nope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, you, t- you just said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Nope. Well, you've done his podcast recently, and it looks like your ratings have dropped. Your brand <laughs> ratings have dropped. Uh, well, it's time to go back to writing. There you go. Top three ways to kill a buck in the cattails. <laughs> Bingo. Well, well, Tony, man, good luck in, in uh, South or North Dakota? South. South Dakota. All right. Good luck in South Dakota, man. And uh, I really appreciate you doing this again. No problem, buddy. I always love coming on, man.